Jack Hanna's good buddy. Yeah, uh, one of Honda's greatest redemption stories. And, uh, well, I guess you're Graham Rahal's dad now. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Bobby Rahal or Bob. Wait, what are we? Can we call you Bobby or Bob? We need to know. Call me Bob. Yes! We've done it. We're patched. Uh, (laughs) Bob Rahal, if you could describe this dinner with racers in one word, what would it be? Insight. Yeah. Yeah. Right down the middle. Yeah, confirmed. I like it. Yep. Agreed. Kathy, what would you say? Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Liability? (laughs) Liability? Job security. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And now for Dinner with Racers, presented by Continental Tire. With your hosts, Ryan Eversley and Sean Heckman. Placeholder Radio. Racers, I'm Sean Hackman. I'm Ryan Eversley. And uh, normally we are in a car doing these uh, hosting, but you know, we're actually having a nice quaint dinner at my home in Pasadena because we've just spent the entire 2022 going all over the place. I think if we added all of the miles up for all of the years, we've been to the moon and back as far as we're concerned. The data says so. Just don't ask us to look at it. Yeah, just leave us alone about it. Anyway, speaking of amazingness. Bobby Rahal. Bobby Rahal. Bobby yeah, Rahal. Yeah, we did a podcast with Bobby Rahal. It's crazy. What's cool about Bobby Rahal is uh, I consider myself now on a different name basis. Yeah, because like fans might call him Bobby. Right. But we call him Bob. We're now Bob. Yeah, we're on Bob level. Yeah. Yeah. We're good. So if you don't know Bob, Bobby Rahal, again, Bobby to you, the fan. Yeah, yeah you guys call him. Um, he's, uh, well, he's a veteran of the sport. Yeah. Also, why'd you click on this? Bobby Rahal is uh, an Indy 500 winner. He's a three-time IndyCar champion. He then went on to start his own IndyCar team, which is still around and still a very successful team. And it's not just an IndyCar team anymore. It is also an IMSA team. And, uh, in fact, in this exciting new 2023 season of uh, GTP LMDH racing, Bobby will be running the uh, that fancy-looking BMW. And not only is he a motorsports operator, but he's also an automotive dealership operator with all sorts of different dealerships all over the place. Basically, the guy is all about automotive everything dealerships race teams kids that can drive and we met some of their fans down in jamaica we did in fact if you go to our jamaica episode on uh, motor trends youtube or streaming service you can learn all about a running joke that we had for a year that bobby finally got to learn about but uh, what else are you going to learn about, Ryan? Well, first off, we have to give a major shout-out to our friend Kathy Lauterbeck, who has been with Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan for a while, but she's just one of those people in the paddock that is awesome, so helpful for us, and we just can't say enough nice things about her. It is not uncommon to hear me absolutely shit on PR people. <laughs> uh, Kathy, however, absolutely not. Yeah, Kathy never. is genuinely one never, of my ever. favorite people in the world. No question. And thanks, Dan. So, so you might hear a voice that randomly yeah. shows up in our episode. That is Kathy, who yep. followed the rule, and if she's going to sit in with us, she has to be part of it. So you will hear her, her name as well. That is Kathy. Kathy Lauterbach, a career-long PR person. And some of the other things you're going to hear about are stories about Jim Truman, who is literally one of the first gentleman drivers that comes to mind when you think about sports car racing and how the gentleman driver has an impact on the sport. And that's why they have a Truman Aiken Award, which Bobby Rahal drove with both of those guys. So he has a really neat sports car history, as well as all the open wheel stuff he's done. And if you hear any of us, including Bobby, refer to the name Jim, we are talking about Jim Truman, who uh, was obviously a huge part of his career. A couple other things you're going to hear about with Bobby, or Bob as we call him. Yeah. He was an F1 driver. Some people forget that. 
Wow. Also, we have a little bit of a kinship with Honda here at Dinner with Racers. And, uh, well, Bobby was part of the, he's a big part of their story, having been part of their worst and best days in the sport. <laughs> and finally, amongst a number of conversations, we're also going to find out who in this paddock can rock glasses the best. So we went down to a Steak 48 in Carmel, Indiana, a really nice steakhouse, and they're, they're kind of all over Indiana yeah. in a few different places, but uh, what did you have, Ryan? I had a six-ounce filet, and it was phenomenal and expensive. <laughs> yeah, and I had a chicken sandwich. Yeah, it looked a lot like steak. It With the one with the peppercorn? Right. Yeah, 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 the, yeah. yeah. No, no, that was a chicken yeah, sandwich. Yeah, it had a bone in it. No, yeah. I, I like bony chicken sandwiches. Yeah, like bone and breast chicken sandwiches? Yeah, yeah. with peppercorns and uh, that like wine sauce thing. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> yeah. what I look for on my chicken that's sandwich. What, that's what, yeah, yeah. I've, I've noticed that about you. Yeah, I really, mm -hmm. really appreciate a 16-ounce chicken sandwich. <laughs> Should we uh, give a special shout-out to our boy uh, Rene Rass for driving this car? I, I think we should. He's uh, doing a really good job of driving this thing. Why didn't you buy an Audi? Too bad. It's an Acura. Man, remember when we recorded this in January of 2022? <laughs> and he drove for Audi? Yeah. yeah. Things change. Yeah. You know what else has changed? Huh. We're no longer on Amazon Prime. Where are we now? Motor Trend. That's right. Our streaming series is on Motor Trend Plus or Motor Trend's YouTube channel. So right now, you anywhere around the world, you can go to YouTube.com right now and go to youtube.com forward slash Motor Trend Watch and look up our episodes of Dinner with Racers from the first three seasons. And guess what? We have another season that's going to be coming out any minute now with all sorts of new things that we've been doing. So keep an eye out for that. But while you're keeping an eye out for that, if you do happen to catch any of our stuff, please like and comment below. It's a big deal for us. We're really trying to show our value with Motor Trend and with Continental Tire. You guys have done such a great job with that in the past. But now that we have a new partner with Motor Trend, we'd really appreciate it if you let them know, let Continental know, let Acura know how supportive you are of the show because that is literally what's keeping us on the road. Well, they expect something from you, though. Continental Tire! Cross contact is a tire. Once again, thank you to Kathy Lauterbach for making this possible, and please enjoy Mr. Bob Rahal. Again, Bob to us. To us. Don't, to us. Do not call him that. He will cut you. All right, we're going to start in five, four, three, two. Hello, come on in. Hey, hey how are what's you? What's going on? You doing all right? Come yeah, on in. Yeah. Hey, man. How's it going, Bobby? Good to meet you. Ryan Eversley. Nice to meet you, sir. Hey, Sean. Yeah, well. Great to meet you, man. Yeah. yeah, okay, cool. You heard that, Sean. He said it. What did he say? He said he said he see me drive. Oh, there yeah, we go. So I'm well, good for the night. The first thing that fans are going to ask us when they see your name that we downloaded is, did we show him or does he know about this one bit we did yeah. four years ago? Yeah. At the, right. yeah. At the, so we'll give you one sample. At the uh -oh. ending credits of every episode in our first season, we did a bit with all of our guests. Uh, yes. Uh, our very first episode, we went to the country of Jamaica. Yeah, the uh, go find racing in Jamaica. Yeah. Jamaica. Come on. Yeah. yeah. We interviewed a bunch of Jamaicans. Kathy, you know what this bit is, I think. Yeah. You do. yeah. yeah. It was really popular. Um, Your so we, son didn't care for it. Yeah. <laughs> no. we, uh, we interviewed a bunch of Jamaicans. And so this is us like, you know, we went to this crazy racetrack in Jamaica. They're, they actually have a racetrack in oh, Jamaica? Two, yeah. two road courses. Yeah. yeah. It, was, yeah. it was built in like 1970 and just stopped. Huh. Like it's, it hasn't been changed since. Yeah. So. But uh, can you hear this? There we go. All right. So this is the ending credits. This is us getting a tire fixed. But hold on. All right. Now this is us interacting with fans. Jamaican motorsports is very popular. You guys travel internationally. You probably know a bunch of race car drivers by name. Uh, do you know who Bobby Rahal is? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's good, yeah. He's good. Yeah. Very good. Cool. Do you know Graham Rahal? Who is that? <laughs> so do you know the name Bobby Rahal? Yeah. Do you know the name Graham Rahal? No. So curiosity We did this with... Hundreds of people. Yeah, we did it with yeah. an entire country. We did it with an entire country. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah you gotta get the audio. Yeah. <laughs> and they, these are yeah. actually, yeah. Were, were you feeding this to him? Or oh, how dare you, sir? <laughs> no, these how are just your you. fans. Yeah. Like, you yeah. have a nationwide <laughs> yeah. Jamaican following. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's all right. It keeps it'll keep Graham humble. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. we ended up uh, we did like an iRacing thing during the shutdown. You know, uh-huh. like everybody did, and uh, we featured a bunch of guests come on. Like Connor Daly was there for a little while. I think uh-huh. Hinchcliffe did it, and Graham came on, and he he'd already been tagged like a million times on Twitter about this for about a year. So oh, he was really? like just sitting there with his arms crossed, like, "Yeah, are we doing this? Yeah, is this what we're doing?" <laughs> we're like, "Hey man, thanks for coming on." <laughs> yeah, so he's aware of it. That's good. For yeah, him. yeah. So. We, we were wondering, uh, at what point do you become Bob and not Bobby? Anyway? Well, it's interesting uh, because I was never Bobby until okay. I started racing. Okay. And when I was a kid, it was always Bob. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, or if my mother was pissed off at me, it was Robert, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but the, so the Bobby stuff didn't start till probably even maybe when I got into Formula Atlantic, you know, 19, you know, because I'd been racing uh, SCCA for two years or so. Sure. Uh, prior to that so that's kind of when it came you know took shape i guess was and, there uh, was there an impetus to this you know i don't wasn't something like mechanic I, he's I, acting I, like no, a child yeah so, I don't, it was <laughs> something it was yeah. you know no i don't it wasn't you know of course you know you had there was bobby unser right there was bobby uh, rinsler okay. there okay. were there you know, you never saw drivers that, well, you had Bob Bondrant, so mm-hmm. he had Bob. Okay. No, okay. he wasn't Bobby, but sure. yeah. a lot of, you know, Bobby Allison. Bob, you know, was, so only the great Roberts well, are Bobbies. Yeah, it just seemed like that's <laughs> yeah. more okay. racy than Bob, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, I, at least that's the only thing I can think of. But, okay, uh, but more to the point. <clears throat> You're now like so. Now when people refer to you, they say Bob. Well, but that seems it, to be yeah. a very recent well, thing. It's interesting, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I have to say, I'm almost 70 years old. I don't think you call 70-year-olds Bobby. I think they're Bob. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I think they're right. Bob. Yeah. Um, so more and more, uh, I have a lot of people. Graham calls me Bob. I have a lot of. He doesn't call you dad? Well, that too. But <laughs> That's only when he needs something. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, yeah right. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah my, my, daughter, my, my daughter, Samantha, calls me Bob. Uh, that's Graham's younger sister. Okay. Uh, uh, I, think, I think there's a little sarcasm, cynicism in that. Sure. You know, when they call me Bob. But, yeah. Um, yeah, and then uh, you know others uh, that like uh, Robin Miller used to call me Bob. Yeah, um, yeah. Steve Shunk calls me Bob. Sure. Uh, so so it's, like it's slowly kind yeah. of, and I'm starting to say, "Hey, this is Bob Ray Hall." Sure, you know? sure. Uh, Sounds like if I'm in the circle, I can call you Bob. Yeah, and we, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, so we'll see how that goes at the end of the night. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, which are so. So at yeah, this moment in so dinner, at this moment we're Bobby. <laughs> hopefully by yeah, the end exactly. we'll be Bob. Hopefully, Is that right, the deal? Right. Okay. Yeah. Are you are you now in trouble on what you can eat? Well, I had I had I had open heart surgery in yeah. May or yeah. June, yeah. and so I'm kind of allowed. Uh, well, I'm supposed to only have meat like once a yeah once I a see. week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that's and what so, you're supposed to do, and it's hereditary. So yeah, yeah. I, I had uh, I had uh, I was I. The, I, I was past the point of stance, so I had to bypass. But yeah. um, but my father had heart issues. My yeah. My brother had he actually had open heart like four months before I did. Really? So, oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So yeah, it's if it's, if it's in your family, you're sure, gonna get sure. it. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And I think it doesn't matter how much what what you eat to a large degree. It's yeah. So speaking of family, it is not easy to find Mike Rahal information. No. I found racing information, but I don't know what he did. I don't know what your parents did. Oh. Yeah. Shit, so what's, what's, talked, I thought I've talked about that a lot. Um, uh, my dad uh, was in the uh, 
basically the, the fruit juice business as okay. a trader or, or as a kind of a, you know, some people might call him a broker, but I mm-hmm. think he was more than that. Um, uh, he really, in many respects, um, kind of invented the, the business where uh, um, in the, he started the business in ni- uh, like 1960, I think it was, 60, yeah. 61. I mean, my dad, it was an interesting story, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's uh, first generation in this country. From um, Lebanon. From Lebanon. His yeah. mother was pregnant with him when they came over. Um, he had two older brothers. Uh, three brothers went to, they, they didn't necessarily live in a very positive family or, or environment. Um, you know, people probably just struggling, yeah. you know, to make it and, yeah. you know, survive and everything else. I grew up in Cleveland. He and his three brothers. One brother went to uh, flew or was a, a navigator on a B-24 in, oh, the, wow. in the South Pacific. Wow. My other uncle was a tank commander under Patton Jeez. in Europe, and then my dad was in a, on a U.S. Uh, destroyer okay. in the South Pacific. Yeah. Right? So, um, what was the name of the boat? Do you remember? Uh, the McDonough, the USS. My- but it's really interesting that, yeah, because I, I was introduced to sports cars, to racing from my father. Yeah, yeah. But this is a guy who came from, there, you would, there was nothing in his background that, you know, why, ra- you know, why cars, why racing. Yeah. But it was, um, you know, um, you know he, he went to college on the GI Bill, uh, got out, went to work for this cousin of his, uh, which lasted about five years. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the... Uh, it, it didn't end well, and, and uh, my dad, um, uh, so this is all through the 50s, late yeah. 50s. My dad started racing in, like, 1957, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, He had a Le Mans Healy, and um, he ended up, uh, he had a big shunt at, uh, at Road America, turn 11, went off. <laughs> of course, there was no guardrail, it was just trees in those sure, days. Sure, sure, yeah. And uh, broke his leg, destroyed the car, uh, but kept at it, and... Um, you know, he was definitely an entrepreneur. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. uh, he was a one-man band. And, you know, uh, growing up, you'd hardly see him during the week because he was traveling sure. all the time, selling. Yep. Uh, and uh, my mother was a retired nurse. Uh, so I, I was born in 53. I had a brother born in 58. I had a sister born in 54, but she was severely retarded, and she ended up passing away in 1960. Uh, but somehow the, the passion for sports cars and my mother was from a Ohio farm girl. I mean, yeah. she was from vanilla, plain white. We're talking white bread. <laughs> yeah, right, right. right. And, uh, and yet, you know, uh, I don't know, somehow the two of them clicked. Um, interestingly, my father's parents didn't go to their wedding oh. because she wasn't Lebanese. Ah, yeah. In those days, they, they took that yeah. stuff seriously. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so, you know, growing up, um, as a kid, uh, uh, my you know my dad had sports cars, um, you know that's kind of when the, the the hook was you know you know I I, I bit the hook because I just I loved it all through the so late fifties uh, all through the sixties of course um, I was uh, uh, you know as I got older I was always kind of the I was polishing the car or cleaning sure, the right, car yeah. I was, I was doing around. I was yeah, doing yeah. the little yeah. jobs yep, right yep but I was you know racing was you know, that was a big part of our lives yeah. at the time. And my, so my dad, probably the highlight of my dad's uh, career, and my and we never had a new race car. Sure. You know, usually they were four or five years old by the time we got them, <laughs> so they're well past their prime. Yeah. Uh, 
But we ended up winning our class at Sebring in 1970. Yeah, uh, 906, which 906. is like a legit car. Oh, yeah. 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 And, but although in 1970, it was four years sure, old Sure, sure. That but, time. like, that's not like a little Club 911 or something. No, That's, like, no. essentially a prototype yeah. car. You know, yeah, it's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, so all through my junior high school, well, grade school, junior high, college, or high school uh, years, uh, I graduated in 71, mm-hmm. um, you know, there was always a race car in the garage. Yeah. And uh, I was always working on that mm-hmm. race car. Mm-hmm. And, and uh trying to be a kind of a faux mechanic you know yeah. i can't say i was really a good mechanic because i wasn't yeah. you know but I, I tried to be just something to be around it right oh it's just awesome. something to be around it you know yeah, my exactly. summers uh my summers particularly when i was say you know say 9 10 11 12 13 I, it was playing baseball or it was going racing yeah. with my dad yeah. and, and and you know what was really cool was in those early 60s and mid 60s because my dad had the only race car in town all these young guys would come down to our house and yeah, hang no out kidding. yeah yeah this was your and, being cool yeah and we yeah. uh you know we had this young guy whose parents he was 21 at the time uh his parents got transferred to spokane washington he didn't want to go so he came and lived with us he's he became like a big brother to me so yeah. he's about 10 years older than i was at the time and it was right out of something like American Graffiti, because these guys would take me everywhere. Sure, sure. You know, we go to dirt races, we go to drag yeah. races, we go to sports car races. We would, and and we cruise up and down the street outside of Chicago, that in the suburb I lived. So it was just like you're inundated with all these experiences yeah. that were just. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. yeah. So I never expected to race. Um, my dad raced again as a hobby, mm-hmm. and that was kind of the. If you were going to race, and I thought it would be cool to race. I mean, one of the one of the greatest times in my life was like in, we first went to Sebring in 69. Uh, then we went 70, 71. Of course, that was, in terms of sports car racing, that was considered Kinda in many respects the yeah. day. Yeah, right? absolutely. I mean, so I saw the greatest, the Sifferts and the Rodriguez and the Andretti's. Steve McQueen's yeah, racing. Steve McQueen's racing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the, the King I mean, Cool. Like, yeah, yeah. Cool, and one of was, the coolest actors on the planet at the yeah, time. Yeah, and it was just, <laughs> an, you know, you had Dan Gurney and Amatra and Francois Sever. And, I mean, it was a who's who, really. Uh, you had Formula One guys running sports cars all the time and vice versa. And So I saw that. I witnessed that period of time, and it, it just um, – I just thought, wow, you know, uh, I'd love to do this, This but I never thought it would happen. Yeah. And uh, fortunately it did, but um, because God knows where I'd be otherwise. But uh, uh, yeah, Uh, so my dad, um, you know, uh, immigrant, worked hard. Um, He he really invented, as I mentioned it a little bit earlier, he, he ended up, he was one of the first guys that went to places like, countries like Argentina. And would buy apple juice concentrate, and then he'd bring it in and sell it to Treetop or sell it to Mott's or to sell it to, because the the consumption of fruit juice or fruit products really expanded in the '60s. You know when they had the, the when they had the ability to um, package, you know, kind and keep it safe. Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, yeah. because in the '50s everything was in a can. You yeah. know, yeah. and as, right. yeah, so. Um, and so it was in, you know, it was Argentina, it was Apple, Brazil was orange juice. Uh, and he, he traveled all over the world. Uh, Israel, orange juice, uh, Sri Lanka for, I think it was passion fruit. Uh, I mean, he kind of went everywhere. And I think he really loved that. He had wanderlust. You know, it's really, it's, it. yeah, re- sure. it's really interesting. The name of Rahal, they pronounce it in the Middle East, Rahal, R-A-H-A-L, means traveler. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, so that was on point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, and it, and he lived up to, and I kind of live. I mean, it's 
I mean, well, it's I mean, kind you've of got part like 800 of, businesses now. You know, so, I, yeah. I, 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 I sometimes complain about the travel, and then two weeks after the travel stops, I get the itch. It's right, like, right. we got to go. we got to <laughs> go I, somewhere. I, I totally get that. So yeah. um, anyway, that's how that, – that was my dad. And, and as I say, he never had the best of anything in racing. Um, but – off we went. Yeah. We did as best as we could. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So you start following in his footsteps. You're chasing around the racetrack, and then you start mm-hmm. to do some racing yourself. Well, the joke he used to say was, at one time I was Mike Rahal's son, Bob, and yeah. then he yeah. became, and then he became yeah. Bob Rahal's son, Bobby Rahal's son, my, uh, yeah. father uh, Mike. Okay, right, right, right. right, right. And yeah. it's kind of the same now with Graham. You know, I'm yeah. Graham, I'm Graham Rahal's <laughs> father. Dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah it, but it was an amazing experience. And as I say, our house was like the center point of for all, all the these kids. car people, yeah. you know, of yeah. all ages. And, um, you know, the 60s was a very exciting time in <laughs> racing because yeah. there was a lot going on. For sure. And, yeah. yeah. So when I look at your career, there's a ton of sports car stuff. You, like in like the early 80s, you drove in like two years more Porsches than I think the factory guys are driving. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then you become an open wheel Indy car guy, right? Well, I, so, I, I drove, of course, open wheel sure, stuff. Sure, sure, sure. But, like, if you look at the sports car stuff, you were already doing, like, Le Mans, and you're doing all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. If I look at your career at the beginning, I would assume you'd become the next uh, Derek Bell. Well, you, yeah, I mean, I, I, am a, I grew up around sports yeah, car racing. Yeah, so, yeah. I, um, you know, one time somebody said, have you ever driven on dirt? And I said, not intentionally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Number yeah, I you know when I first started, um, it was but I I, I always liked open wheel just because it's kind of the pure racing car. Uh, yeah, I never drove a Formula Four, but when I started racing, I really wanted to. But I was driving my dad's car, so it was like uh, you drove what you could, right? Um, but um, uh, but you know, sports car racing was something that was always kind of in my blood and I really uh I really think uh looking back I think that sports car racing really made me a better open wheel driver because of the uh, patience well because you have to learn a how to go fast and save the car yeah right because sure. uh, in those days you know it was still um massive reliability issues yeah yeah you know you had to be careful shifting the car you mm-hmm. didn't have you didn't have uh, rev limiters you didn't have this you didn't have I mean, yeah. it was you you know, you know uh, in those days you, you didn't today they're flat out yeah right, right. you know you every lap of yeah, the 24-hour right. race it's, right it's, yep. a, it's a 24-hour sprint yeah. well in our day uh my day it, it wasn't you had to really be careful with the car and not you know i mean it was too easy to ruin the gearbox or blow the engine up or do whatever and you guys right? are making crazy amounts of power already yeah but technology hadn't come yeah, up yeah. in the gearboxes no, and everything else no. so yeah. um so sports car racing was always um even though i i mean i tried to get into sports cars when i was in atlantic and nobody you know you couldn't get the rides um uh, actually when i came back from europe in 1979 i'd run formula 2 in 79 formula 3 in 78 uh, of course, I'd done the grand, two Grand Prix in 78, 79. Halfway through the year, I, I, I took over George Fulmer's car in the Can-Am. So, um, you know, I, I, you know, I had a little notoriety, I think, at that point in time. Um, and I got the chance to um, – I went to the last IMSA race at Daytona in 79 just to meet people. And went down there and met the Garretson group and Dick Barber. And next thing you know, hey, why don't you – drive the 935 we're going to do six races and hey that was great you know it was apple computer was the sponsor 
Um, and um, so, you know, that was kind of my entry back into sports cars. But that was always, to me, to me, a driver, the, 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 um, the judgment on a driver was if, if that driver could win in all kinds of yeah, cars. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Jim Clark was my hero growing yeah. up. But you looked at Dan Gurney. Uh, you know, you looked at Mario. You yeah. looked at all these guys. Who, those were the guys that you really respected. Absolutely. It didn't matter what car they were in. They were still going to win. Yeah, they're going for it. be competitive. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so in any event, I, uh, I um, you know, when I went to Europe, that was the greatest thing that happened to me, I thought, because I always wanted to, you know, it, you, know you look at the, the, the examples of the Dan Gurneys or the people like that uh, who went to Europe, excelled against, you know, became a big fish in a big pond right yeah exactly and that to me was uh, that was that idea was attractive to me and and something i wanted to pursue and and so even though i never <clears throat> had the success at lamar that i'd wished i'd had um you know went in daytona sebring a bunch of other emsa races against you know good good people um i i wished i i wished i had i if i have a regret um in about 88 88, I drove for Rick Hendrick and the Corvette, but it was only on a, a selected number of races. But I basically, after 88, I said, no, I'm not going to do any sports car races. And I really regret that because I think I could have gone to Le Mans. In a, you know, I could have, you know, but, uh, you know, I was just focusing on Indy cars at that point. So. so with the sports car program now, is there some unfinished business on your side? I'm hopeful that um, we'll go to Le Mans in 24 we're not there you know i don't know yeah. if we'll be there yet but i i think it would be fantastic to, to win that obviously to win that race right so that'd be that's still on my bucket list well, that, so yeah what we saw at road atlanta that's the prettiest car out there yeah oh, were you there for the test? <laughs> the accurate is pretty good i too. didn't say anything the accurate is pretty good too <laughs> don't but fire that me is pretty nice please don't so. fire me um, all right one yeah. thing i want to set the stage yeah, for because yeah, yeah. I, I haven't heard it yet but i'm convinced we're going to find it and i think you know where i'm going um, your <laughs> early career is pretty well documented, but there's, there's one consistent theme with every driver we've talked to is that somehow their racing career got started on a con. Or a lie. A lie, a con. <laughs> really? A fake, no. yeah, absolutely. Everybody has started their career in some sort of way, so I'm, I'm determined we're going to find it with you. I don't think so. How, right. how old were you when you took your, your racing license? Like well, in, in my day, um, up till 1972, yeah. uh, you had to be 21. Okay. Because that's when the voting age was. That was the legal mm -hmm. kind of definition yeah. of an adult. All you could do was be drafted. Yeah. Insurance. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You can drive your country. Yeah, I got drafted. Mm -hmm. I, didn't, I didn't pass the physical, but I got drafted. Um, but <laughs> Hold on. Wait. But uh, You got a genetic heart condition. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, no, bad knee. But anyway. Um, <laughs> it didn't help. Yeah. Didn't uh, I could drive an F1 car in the 70s. 70s. No, no, this is 18. No, this is 1971. But anyway. Um, <laughs> later in well, life, yeah. But anyway. Um, um, okay, so when did you start? So you couldn't drive until oh. 21. When did you first drive? So I believe it was in 72. They changed the voting law to 18. Mm -hmm. okay. So now everything was, that was the legal definition of an adult. Okay. And so I started in, uh, I did my driver's school at Mid-America Mid Raceway in St. Louis, Wentzville, Missouri, to be exact, in yeah. May of 70, uh, 73. Okay. So you were you were a legal adult when you first got driving? Yeah. So you didn't lie about your age? Mm. Okay. What about... Well, only Europeans lie about their age. <laughs> well, maybe back then. Yeah, maybe then, <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just like when Joe Villeneuve 
In in '75, I was a rookie in Atlantic. Jill Jill mm-hmm. had already had one year. Um, he was two years older than I was in '75. When he got to Formula One, we were the same age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. I'm convinced we're going to find it. So your dad was a car guy. How did he get started? Well, that's that's the crazy part because, as I said earlier, and I didn't really follow through on it, but there was nothing in his life that would have said, "Oh yeah, he's gonna he's into cars." You know, he's into this or that. Because I'm assuming first gen, his parents were probably about being. No, they, they were in a, as he yeah. said, they're, they're one generation away from a push cart. Right. right. You know, he used to always, <laughs> yeah, exactly. he, he right. used to always tell me that. Yeah. Um, but that immigrant mentality of everything must be and, completely and sensible. He, yeah, yeah, he probably yeah. wasn't wrong. You know, I just never saw it. But, um, but I think a lot of it was, um, you know, all these guys who served in the war, they came back, um, you know, uh, I mean, they'd seen, you know, all kinds of horrors and whatever, and probably you know things like risk. They had a different view of risk than than others, and and um, you know they were open. And of course, the fifties, you know, they came back. They got their educations. The economy was booming. People, were, you know, these young guys were making money, making careers, and you know, and cars were, you know. Uh, would you have said cars were very interesting in the 30s, 40s? Probably not. Sure. But in the 50s, it started to get right. so. Right. Well, that post-war generation, the smoky yeah. eunuchs of the world, yeah. like this post-war generation. Yeah. So I really think that he was probably like a lot of guys who yeah. got into racing just because it looked like, yeah, this yeah, looks right. like fun. Let's give right. it a shot. Right. You know? so. so the only con is his knee. <laughs> <laughs> that was a stay in racing. Yeah. 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 So I guess yeah, yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, that's yeah. all I got. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, early early career, you're doing a bunch of club racing and stuff like that. You get to Atlantics, but like Atlantics, you're racing Jill Villeneuve and KK Rosberg. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, Atlantics hasn't produced that kind of talent globally in a very very long time. Yeah, that helps you get to Europe to race F2 and F3. Right. Yeah, that gets you a test for arrows, or did that no. come after the Wolf? No. Thing? Um, well, the arrows thing came after Wolf. Okay, um, so that gets you looked at by wolf so you get to do some formula one races right yeah now formula one now is obviously like huge did you have any idea of the scope of what you're getting to do then well formula one was huge then yeah, sure sure Just, sure you know a different stage a little bit you yeah. know to, yeah. today like everything else was um no i mean atlantic it was a long beach atlantic race that um got me the in 78 i didn't finish but i was on pole I got hit on the first rest, on the first start, uh, so flattened the tire. Came in, pitted. By the time we changed, I was half a lap down. Well, halfway through the race, I was second, right behind the leader. And then the drive shaft broke. We had a soft bunch of uh, drive shafts hadn't been hardened or something. So, but at the, from that race, that's when Walter Wolf, you know, they'd said, "Oh, uh, Mr. Wolf wants to see us." So I went to his right. hotel, and he said they were going to do a driver test right. in Europe because you're the support at, race at, at of Verano. One. Yeah. yeah, yeah. At Verano, they had invited me, and you know, there was a couple others that were going to go. And after after that race, Walter said, "No, we're not going to do this. You're going to. You, I want you to drive the car." So I went to so F3. You're not test this no. F1 car, but you're going to go race one. No, no. I went to F3 first okay, okay. with him. And that was the first Delara Formula 3 car. Okay. So I lived in Italy, you know, in between. I was living in Connecticut, but then I would live in Italy in between, back and forth, back and forth. And I, I didn't do all the uh, Formula 3 race. I did races that, Formula 3 races that were held on Formula 1 circuits. So, you know, in those days they would have a Formula 3 race on the same weekend. So I did Monaco. I did Nürburgring. 
uh, Dijon, France, Harama, Spain, Monza, Italy, uh, Brands Hatch, England. Um, where else did I go? Um, but if there's no F1 race at this track, you're not going. Well, because it was the whole idea was track time. Get some. Yeah. 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 And, so, and, I, and I ended up doing uh, at the end of that uh, period, I went to I did the U.S. and Canadian Grand Prix. I didn't they didn't take up. They didn't hire me for 1979. At Wolf, uh, Walt, uh, James Hunt had come in and he said, it's got to be a one car team or I'm not coming. So that meant I was out. So I borrowed $100,000 uh, to go race Formula 2 with Chevron cars. So I moved to England. Um, uh, over time, paid back the hundred grand, and uh, I raced F2. So then I raced in Europe at a lot of, like, Hockenheim and a bunch of other tracks, Nürburgring, um, Silverstone, various. Uh, I mean, it was really, I really loved it over there. I mean, I to me, that was everything I dreamt about. And... Um, but halfway through the year in 79, uh, 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 Herb Kaplan, who owned U.S. Racing, called me up to replace George Falmer because George had broken his back the year before at Laguna and, I don't know, having issues, I guess. And, um, and George has always been a good guy. And anyway, so I did five races in the Can-Am. I ended up fifth in the championship. I won at Laguna. And so my European racing career basically mm -hmm pretty much ended at that point yeah so my dad worked at project four with ron dennis uh -huh. back in that same time period and i asked him i was like do you have any bobby rahal stories yeah and he said i think i met him this is his words where i believe he was there for a formula two deal which was vacant because stephen south had an accident no is that not right no um not not important to the story what he did want to know was Stephen was hurt badly at far in 80 okay he lost his foot all right. as a result of the accident so my dad was wondering if you remember you had an old bmw an e21 with illinois plates yeah in europe yeah yeah Red he was one. like asking me if that brings anything up because yeah, yeah. i was and i'm like how do you remember that <laughs> like you know what i mean well you'd remember the like the left-hand drive car and yeah, yeah 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 maybe so, that's yeah. a good point my dad so is your so, father's yeah. name john yeah 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 yeah, yeah. 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 i remember yeah. that yeah okay. yeah yeah, and he was like, "Ask me if he remembers that it had it was yeah. it was very rusty with Illinois plates." <laughs> well, I don't know if it's rusty. Well, if there's one thing he would remember, it'd be the car side yeah. of it. Like, also, he doesn't remember my middle name. It's a much name, better story. I don't. I, I don't think it was rusty, <laughs> but I will tell you, it was always a little odd driving on the wrong side of the road. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, for sure, for sure. So, where's uh, you know your your dad was raised a certain way by his parents, but obviously mm -hmm. he's a racer. Where is he in this process for you? Because I, it doesn't sound like he had the ability to really fund you. Mm -mm. No, he um, probably the days of him helping me ended in early, probably 74. Okay. Um, so he was able to get you into Atlantic, so to speak. Uh, well, my, my, yeah. my Atlantic, my first year Atlantic program was underwritten by a friend of mine from college. Okay. Who was from the Schlitz Brewing family. Oh, okay. And then Jim Truman. Heard of him. Yeah. And then and my dad was kind of like the last, he talked okay. it up. Right? How did you talk the Schlitz family into it? Um, well, actually, he had, in 74, yeah. in SCCA, I went to IRP, okay. uh, Indianapolis Raceway yeah, Park. Street, for, right. for, uh, I, convinced, I wanted to get into open wheel cars. Right, right. And a guy down the street from us had one of the first uh, Rondell, uh, M1, uh, M1, I think it was called, Rondell uh, Formula 2 cars. Uh, they bought from Fred Opert. And put a twin cam in it because it was an F2 car, but it put a twin cam in it. And he drove it for part of that year. Then he ended up selling it. To, I got this fellow, my friend from Schlitz, to buy the car. So we 
we went to IRP for a national, and I won my first national in an open-wheel car in that car in, like, September of 74. Then we went to Watkins Glen for the pro ra- Atlantic Pro Race. And um, in that race, I was running, like, 10th or something, and uh, I banged wheels with a guy I was passing, and I got a flat tire, and we didn't have any spare tires or wheels or anything like that. So, we were, you know, that was that. Um, but they were fans then. Well, that was the, that was the year at, at, at Watkins Glen when they – burned the bus yeah yeah emerson right. was the world yeah. champion that yeah. year and yeah, uh, the bog the bog that's right <laughs> yeah. yeah so and i i went off just about the time the bus caught on fire so you know i don't come <laughs> i don't i don't come around and my parents right, and they right. had a big pall of smoke over yeah. the fire end of yeah. the circuit anyway Jesus. um <laughs> so i convinced uh, my friend well let's tr- sell this car and let's we'll get an atlanta lola and um and jim truman helped me my dad and, uh, you know, off we went. But, you know, in those days, the car was $10,000. Right, you know, sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah, Although yeah. that 10000 was a fair amount of money in those days. But, you know, it's not there. like today. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. Sure. there was no carbon on it. No carbon. And, and, you know, when you went racing, I mean, it was me, my mechanic, and uh, Clay Filson, who still works for me today. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, he was like a little gopher. You know, he was like yeah. nine, 18, 19 years old. What and that's get- how you went racing, yeah. you know. So, what, what does he do now? Um, actually, well, he's a spotter for Graham. Okay. And um, he's taken care of, um, um, of course, he's worked with, uh, with BMW for a number of years okay. as, a, as their trackside technical support guy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, yeah. but right now he's mainly a spotter for Graham. Gotcha. And yeah. does he call you Bob or Bobby? He calls me Bob. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. He's yeah. in. He's patched. Yeah. He's, he's part of the family. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jim Truman, I think, is one of the most uh, – I never obviously got to meet him, but he just seems like this legendary character of, of motorsports that we didn't get enough of. And I, I don't know how you guys first met, but I would love – I could probably ask you two hours worth of Jim Truman stuff just because he was such a great ambassador to the sport, you know, like what we really needed. How did you first meet him? I met him my first year of SEC, yeah. 73. You know, we were always in the same race. You know, my, by that time, I'd convinced my dad we needed to buy this two-liter Lola, um, which was the closest thing we had to a new car. It was it was built in 72, and now we're talking a year later, right? Um, you know, interestingly, in 70, uh, 73, when we had the car, he initially was doing most of the races, and then pretty soon I'm doing most of the races, and, you know, he, he was out. Uh, but um, uh, I met, uh, actually, my girlfriend at the time said... Um, I don't know how she knew this, but she said, you know, that Mr. Truman there, he owns Red Roof Inns. Really. And, of course, I was going to Denison University, which is about 30 miles east of Columbus. And Jim lived in Columbus, Upper Arlington. And so uh, we got to know each other over the course of that year. And especially in 74, even more. And I would go over to his house. And, um, uh, you know, he, he had a bar in German Village in, in Columbus yeah. called Dibel's. So I'd meet him there. He'd get me drunk. Then I had to drive back to college, which wasn't too smart. How old was he at the time? Jim was, um, well, he won the SCCA championship in sea sports racing in 75, and he was 40. Okay. Yeah. So he was born in 1935. So you're not like a son necessarily. You're almost like a little brother well, age-wise? You know, as I, as I tell people, my relationship with Jim kind of took on all kinds of different. He was a mentor. Yeah. He was a teacher. He was a disciplinarian. 
Um, I don't know if I'd ever say he was a father, but probably close at times. Um, he was a friend, obviously. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, he, you know, he was, so he was, what, uh, 18 years older than me. But that's not, the older you get, that's not a, yeah, right. it becomes less small and gap. less of a gap. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he was always, um, you know, Jim was an amazing guy in the sense that he, um, you know, he supported a lot of people in racing. Yeah. Everybody attributes it just to me, but he, you know, Kat Kaiser, who won an SECA national championship, a lady from Columbus, mm-hmm. you know, he sponsored her. Willie T. Ribs, yeah. he sponsored. Yeah. Or, I mean, there were a lot of different people. Sure. And, I mean, he even sponsored uh, the, <laughs> the U.S. bobsled team in 1984 at Sarajevo, you know, right, and right. Uh, they didn't make it. But anyway, he, he, and he sponsored the guy, I can't, Secret, I think his name was Seacrest. Did the race across America okay. on bikes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he did yeah. that like a couple yeah. times. Okay. I mean, some, some, uh, so uh, uh, Jim was into all kinds of, you know. He just, I think Jim really enjoyed seeing people take an opportunity and run with it. You know, and and he was a self-made guy. I mean, he didn't come from money, um, but he was a very loyal person uh, to his friends. You know, most of the fr- all of his people on the board of his company had worked with him for years. His brother was an ex-policeman from Cleveland. He was on the board. He worked for he worked for Red Roof, and so it was just uh, you know in 1981, and I think my career could very easily have come to an end or it would have flatlined for a certain period of time because you know in my career, like in 1979, I was I was people wanted me um, because of the Can Am uh, successes and what have you. Uh, in 1980, I, I'd said no to Paul Newman. I'd said no to Carl Haas because I'd made a verbal commitment to the guy I was driving for. In 1980, the guy did nothing that he said he was going to do, and we had a horrible year. Well, one year later, nobody, nobody, you know, don't call us, we'll call you. And I sent out letters to Penske, Pat Patrick, you know, hey, let me do the road courses for you. you know, don't call us, we'll call you. Um, in 81, halfway through the year, now I'm driving IMSA in 8081 because that was like the opportunity, right? And in 8081, I, um, uh, in 81, halfway through the year, uh, Barry Green, who was the team manager for, for uh, Paul, called me up and, you know, would you be interested in driving the second car to Fabi? You know, your job is to help us win the championship with him and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, are you kidding me? When, when do I show up? Yeah. So we did five races uh, uh, in 81 in the Can-Am. But at the end of that year, but again, it was kind of like sure. one of these, you know, kind of up, down, up, down, up, down. And um, in, in 81, uh, at the end of 81 or towards the end, Jim came to me and he said, um, I want to go to Indy. I want our own team. I want you to drive. Uh, you've got to um, find the people to buy the engines and the cars, and I'll put up everything else. Well, that was, and he actually prefaced this all with saying, if you're smart, you'll say yes to everything I say. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, of course, I knew, I knew uh, Jim, and I trusted implicitly in him. And I said, yes. And so uh, now I don't have, like, okay, how am I going to get all these people right. to buy right. all this stuff? Because you've, you've rented your own cars, but you haven't run a team at this point. No. Yeah. But I, I and just, you know how dumb drivers are. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so Jim and I. You know, we were looking at people, and um, the first guy we hired was Steve Horn. Yeah. Good and choice. And that, that was yeah. that was really that was really yeah. Jim's doing. Okay. Uh, Steve was at VDS racing in the Can Am, so we kind of knew Steve. And 
So uh, Steve uh, came on as a you know team manager or whatever you'd like to call it. And um, it really was after, you know, Steve hired all the mechanics. He did all this stuff. So after that hire, I was, now my job is to try to find sponsorships. So the good yeah. person in charge set the, uh, yeah. set the tone really. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, it was, um, uh, so, and, and that's, I mean, in our new building, our main um, conference room is called the Truman Room. Because he was truly, uh, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Jim Truman. I really Absolutely. believe that. Absolutely. Yeah, really yeah. believe that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. It was, you know, and, it was, and even today, still talking about the 86 race, it's, it still gets emotional because, you know, here was a guy that, uh, I mean, he barely made the race. And, you know, to as I tell people, to realize somebody else's dream, yeah. that's something else. And, you know, and that, just for context, not everybody knows this story. Jim at this stage was very late into into his cancer. Well, he and died. He died ten days exactly, after the race. Exactly. Yeah. And so, like, he makes the race physically, but the Indy 500. Yeah, the Indy 500. Yeah. Like, yeah. And <laughs> you win this race, mm -hmm. and he's able to celebrate with you, but he's, yeah. I mean, he's in bad shape. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't much so. of a celebration. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, it was very bittersweet for all of us in the team. Because I assume it's pretty obvious where this is going at oh, that yeah. time. Oh yeah. 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 No, yeah. you knew it was. You uh, you knew and you, you just knew that. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, – he wasn't going to be around much right. longer. Right. Yeah, and it was so sad because I, I tell people today, and I true, truly believe this, I don't know if there would have been a split in IndyCar if Jim had been around. Because of his charisma? I think because of his um, – you know, he uh, he would have said, wait a minute, guys, hang on. Yeah, right. yeah, That's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's well, ability to – And he probably would have gone to Tony George and those people and said, wait a minute, guys, hang on, let's – Mm -hmm. No, mm -hmm. um, he was that kind of a person, and you know, and at the time, you know, Jim was kind of a—I won't say he was a threat to Roger Penske, but he was competitive with well, Roger Penske, yeah, in right, his, right, in his business. Yeah, yes, you know, absolutely. Jim, was, Jim yeah. was very successful, and you know, Roger has always been successful, but not to the level he is today, for example. Well, sure, sure, right? sure. I yeah, mean, sure, that's yeah. that's been built up over the years. Yes. You know, all credit to Roger, but in those days, in the early '80s, I mean. Um, it, it was, um, you know, it was a challenge in, in many respects. And, um, uh, you know, so I, I really think that, um, and, I, and I would tell you, I don't think anybody disliked Roger, uh, Jim Truman. Right. You know, and what he did with Mid-Ohio and all yeah. the, all the yeah. things he was doing. Um, you know, when the, when the Ferrari Formula One project or IndyCar project came up, you know, uh, Goodyear, Leo Mel came, yeah. came to... Uh, Jim to run that team. He's the one Leo Mel recommended to Ferrari that they go to True Sports, and that's, that's right. what happened. And I, I, I take a lot of that because of Leo's experience with Jim at Mid Ohio right. and other places, and you know, and just knowing this, like this is the guy we want to be teamed with. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I, I really do think that um, racing would have been different had Jim uh, stayed alive. Yeah, I don't. I mean, if you're from Ohio or you've been to Mid Ohio, you might know this, but I don't know that everybody does. That the roofs on all the buildings were red. Oh yeah. For Jim Truman, yeah. red roof. That's the garages, that's the roof the town, all that yeah. stuff, yeah. and that's like I think that's such a cool thing that they still have a lot of them like that, yeah. you know, that way. Yeah. Uh, all the all the mounding, the garages. Yeah. Those yeah. things were built in like 1983 or four. Well, you can tell now. <laughs> yeah. And the tower. Yeah. Yeah. The big scoring tower in the infield. The first one, the crane collapsed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when they were trying to hoist yeah. it up. Literally. Yeah. We were, yeah. we're, I'm with Jim. We're watching the, 
thing go up, and all of a sudden, boom. <laughs> here's this huge scoring tire crashes to the ground. We're off to a good start. But, you know, <laughs> but Jim was always the kind of guy who would be like, I mean, he, he didn't go plus. He go, oh, I guess we ought to get well, another one of those. Right. Yeah. That's what you want. Is that, no. boss. Is that a skill set that you have adapted? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. That was not a loaded question. Yep. <laughs> I'm, I am a I'm an, I, I can be, I can, I'm pretty much an emotional guy. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, I can, I can be unemotional, but, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, but and, you that, and, and that's probably what you don't want to see is when I'm unemotional, because that means you're screwed. Oh, you're just out. You're oh, out. Yeah. Like yeah. you don't okay. care anymore. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but for the most part, I'm emotional. Yeah. Well, not, you brought up something that we yeah, talked about that we're really curious about. Not, not to sour this too much, but. You know, uh, Jim Truman and Bob Aiken are the two staples of uh-huh. this is what a good gentleman driver should mm-hmm. be to the point that they both have awards named after right. them. Right, absolutely. So yeah, absolutely. Yep. Did Jim, when he raced, did he ever complain about things not being fair as an AM driver, so to speak? I don't think so. I don't right. ever recall Jim complaining about anything, frankly. He mm-hmm. was not a – if he did, he would keep it to himself. Um, hmm. You know, Jim was um, – In racing? Yeah, oh, that's rare. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. He sounds awesome. I mean, I love it when, <laughs> when we first went there. We had this freaking Craftsman farm tractor, you know, not farm, not even farm tractor, you know, just um, uh, lawn tractor. They would take us, uh, and when you went to the speedway in '82, they'd I don't know who it was, but Massey for uh, I don't know, Huffy, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> sure. mm-hmm. uh, anyway, and you, you know, that's what they give you to tow your car back and forth to the pits. Everybody else had tow carts. We looked like a bunch of idiots, you know. <laughs> I mean, you could tell who the rookie was, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. And in those days, you couldn't fill fuel in the pits, so you had to go back to the fuel dump every time. Mm. So you were going back and forth. Back. And uh, and I told Jim, we gotta, gotta we got to get a, uh, you know. Proper a, a thing tr- A proper yeah. tow truck, yeah. you know, tow, be it, tow mm-hmm. sled or whatever you want to call them. And he goes, well, is that going to make us faster? Mm. <laughs> so everything's going to go into being faster. Mm. Everything. Need a golf cart. Is that going to make it faster? Right. No. But if okay. you had, an, if there was a new gearbox, you could buy. Absolutely. Okay. Now, Absolutely. now, like now have you adapted that? Uh, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> but the world's changed too. Sure. Sure. Right. Yeah. You know, he was our sponsor. So. Yep. We didn't worry too much about the funding side. Of right. It. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. One of the things that has been a big topic of conversation on this show over the years is. Uh, driver rankings and how that's all gone down and like how an am driver participates now versus back then because a guy like bob bacon or john paul senior they didn't care about racing against bobby ray hall they just wanted to go racing against anybody you know yeah yeah i guess so there's a lot of amateurs in in racing and sports yeah. car racing yeah. what have you yeah um you know so i i don't know i don't know if that's changed much um well so you myself, you run a team in imsa right now yeah right um and you run in gt now your your team up until this uh, ne- this upcoming year has been in gt racing but it's always been on the pro side right do you keep up on the pro-am side with all the driver rating stuff we do because you're kind of luckily well, avoid of that yeah i don't okay mm-hmm. i don't okay. Um, what would jim truman you think because these are supposed to protect the am driver do you think G- jim truman would give a crap about driver ratings versus just going out and running well, that's a good question because I think I think Jim was always these are supposed more to about him. more about you know hey th- these are the rules 
you know, let's figure out how to beat the rules. You know, that's yeah, right. right. Um, rather yeah. than complaining per se. Sure, right. Um, sure. He certainly he would not be vocal. I would just say that. Okay. He just handled his business. Yeah, he yeah, might. Yeah. He might. He might go to you know John Doon and everybody say John Jesus. You know, <laughs> you know how does this guy get a you know yeah. bronze rating? You yeah. Know? But he wouldn't have been advocating for the existence of this kind of thing. Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. Probably not. No. I mean, I still don't. I mean. The we whole rating, si- the whole rating system it. makes no sense at all. Yeah. Yeah. Me, so. we, we both work in this side yeah. of the sport, and we still don't get it either. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned a program that is of interest to us, the Ferrari IndyCar program. Mm-hmm. You got to test that? Not the not the Ferrari. Okay. We shipped a, a March, or IndyCar, over, one of our IndyCars over there in, like, September of 85. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and a couple of my guys, mechanics, went over there. And they were probably there, I don't know, a couple months. Oh, wow. And um, and so I drove the car at Fiorano, the IndyCar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The March. I, the March. Okay. But I, ne- I never drove uh, the actual Ferrari. Okay. Okay. Because by that time, the program was basically shut down. <laughs> right, right. You know? yeah. So this was for them to learn what the car was. Well, yeah. yeah. And, you know, um, you know they, I mean, they had the chance to basically reverse engineer a march yeah yeah you know? yeah I mean, they, they, it was there for them to copy well they couldn't just go off the homologation rules <laughs> well they didn't have homologation <laughs> they, had a real, they had a rule book but it was pretty wide open in yeah. yeah 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 so you tested a, in a march indy car with the ferrari engine in the back of it no no just your, so your our, our car yeah right so and just to give them it was kind of like to set a yeah you know a benchmark or okay. what have you i see i see yeah. yeah but it just never went anywhere did you interact with miss ferrari it was pretty much a how do you do sir right. and, mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. He had an English secretary. Her name was Brenda, and and she'd been there forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I mean, she kind of ran. She really helped, I think, the non-Italian-speaking drivers and what have you, yeah. because you yeah. know, she was a a friendly voice. Yeah. <laughs> <Warm>. And uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I saw her I don't know, maybe four or five years ago. Oh, that's she was here cool. at a race, and uh, you know, just very nice. I can't remember what I did yesterday. <laughs> How do you remember secretaries and oh, like, well, mechanics that you've you were you my would, dad from another yeah, team? Right, yeah. Yeah. You would remember her. Oh. I mean, I no. Gonna, I was going to ask. <laughs> no, not in that sense. No. No. Okay. Oh, well, no, now nice it's less than okay. Brenda was an older woman, you know? <laughs> so, you own a team now, but obviously you were part of growing True Sports when it, when it first got going. Steve Horn, obviously, was a big part of this. What did you learn from Steve that translates to today? And you Steve, know. just just for perspective, ran True Sports, but then started his own team and became a pretty successful IndyCar guy in the '90s. Oh yeah, well, so. he, he, you know, he when I when I left Honda in '94, yeah, you know, um, he was there to pick up pieces, yeah, yeah, as were others, right, as were right. others, yeah, people who had tried to keep Honda out of IndyCar, right, right, you know? yeah, because um, you're credited with bringing it in. Yeah, 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 but and and they didn't Indy, the the team owners in IndyCar did not want. You know, at that point, Honda was kicking ass in Formula F1. One. Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, they didn't want, you know, Roger, everybody. I think they'd admit to it. They did not want Honda to come in. Sure. Or or they had to. I mean, at the time, the regulation was you had to be able to support two teams. Um, you just couldn't put everything behind one team. Right. And at this time, it was basically But even then, forward. even then, um, you know, there was a lot of uh, – um, a lot of um, uh, 
What's the, word? What's the term I want to use? There, there was a lot of negative pushback to uh -huh. Honda being in. Yeah. Was this a fear of like the arms race that was going to come from it? Well, it was a fear that Honda was just going to destroy everybody. Kick everybody's yeah. Ass. Yeah. 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 So, which they ended up doing one year after. <laughs> yeah. you know, sure. Um, Damn right. Um, how, how does that start? Is that you watching F1, seeing the results, going, okay, if how, I can get how, that? How did the Honda thing start? For you. Like, are you paying attention to F1 so, going, okay, if I can oh, get yeah, that, well, of course. then we're doing this. Well, but then why you and not anybody else doing that? Well, in, uh, after I won Indy yeah. in 86, I, um, I was asked to come uh, talk to the Honda execs at, in Marysville. Okay, yeah, yeah. Ohio. And they were, everybody from Japan was over for this, whatever they were having, a sure. conference or whatever. Yeah. And um, a fellow named Irimajiri, Mr. Irimajiri was head of Honda of America. And Irisan, unbelievable man, fantastic guy. He was Mr. Motorcycle, though. He was heavily involved in the bike racing. Uh, later became head of Honda R&D, I mean, uh, and president of Honda overall. Anyway, uh, I got to know him a little bit after this, and, um, you know, I was saying well, Honda should come to IndyCar, blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, one day he said to me, I, I, have, I want you to um, uh, welcome a friend of mine to the Long Beach Grand Prix. This 1989. And his name was uh, Mr. Osaka. And Osaka-san, fantastic man, who became a great friend, uh, he, um, he was basically there to investigate wow. IndyCar. Yeah. So he came to, Lagoon, to uh, Long Beach, not wearing any Honda just stuff, right, just yeah. kind of looking, just kind of watching. Yeah, yeah. He went to a few more races. And... Um, you know, I built up this communication with him and relationship and, um, and uh, you know, but it was still kind of, American Honda wasn't really involved in it at that point at, at any level. He was kind of the guy who was doing the paper, should we do this or not. And are you already thinking about doing your own team at this point? Uh, well, not, not quite yet. Okay. But yeah. probably pretty close. Sure, yeah. sure. Um, but either way, you want that dominant power source from... Well, and I was a yeah. Honda dealer by that time, too. Oh, nice. Oh, okay. nice. Well, now it all makes so sense. So it's like, yeah, I mean... Mm -hmm. uh, was that your and, first dealership? Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's so, cool. um, uh, yeah, so I uh, that kind of started the conversation back up. Next thing you know, now I'm going to Japan to test the NSX. Yeah. That he, he's the one who took me there. Then I did a test at Laguna Seca with the NSX. And uh, Did you wear loafers? I don't Senna know. Senna wore loafers, so yeah, that's yeah, a whole well, thing. It's I a whole know. thing. Yeah. I probably didn't, but I might have. <laughs> I, I don't recall. Copy. Okay, fair. Um, anyway, that kind of re reignited yeah, everything. Like, if you're getting to drive that, that's a big deal. And then at the end of 92 yeah. is when, and that's when I also got to know Tom Elliott. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was head of sales for American Honda yeah, yeah. and um, Kurt, Ant Kurt um, um, yeah, Antonius yep, yep. and Robert Clark, yep, you know, yep, although absolutely. Robert came in a little bit later after we, they actually decided to go right. Robert yeah. was at Honda, yeah. but it wasn't until they actually decided to go that they asked him to run Come HPD. In, yeah, and start HPD basically. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, so by 91, uh, Mr. Osaka was back on the, you know, we're talking again, and now things are starting to take up steam. And I think in 91 is when they – now, I think they left McLaren in F1 in 92. Uh, 
but our program was already going. And, um, and so what we did in 93 is we set up like a shadow team in Columbus. It was in a different building. And it was all um, skunk works. It was, yeah, it was all so cool. '93. Uh, you know, the '93 Lola. Um, I had Mike Groff doing the testing. Um, um, Dennis Swan was running the program for me, and uh, yeah, I mean, it uh, that was the start of it all. Right. So, at the same time, you've got your own team. Um, where did that idea even come from? I, I swore I would never run my own team. Right. Yeah, I thought, why the hell would I want to do that? In, in 1991, I'm 38 years old, and I had seen a lot of drivers, particularly in IndyCar, uh, not a lot, but some, and some who I'd really respected and admired, and they were very embittered at the end of their career, mainly because they, didn't, they weren't able to control that. You, in other words, you don't get to choose your ending point. Right. Racing chooses when you win, you right. don't choose, yeah. And for me... You know, uh, I was still competitive. In fact, I won my third championship when I was, what, 30, 39. Um, I got one more year. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get you Uh, (laughs) And I wanted, you know, by that time, I'm fully, you know, I've had, you know, 17 years in IndyCar racing. I've, I've, you know, uh, I've had all the success. At the the height of IndyCar racing. I've got the dealership business starting to go with my partner. Uh, You know, and I wasn't ready to quit you know, uh, retire. And I, so I just felt, well, you know, um, if there's an opportunity, you know, we should look at that. And then, so I'd signed with Patrick racing for 92, yeah. but they couldn't get a no more engine. Pat had basically given a no more engine to, um, uh, who was it? Maybe Cosby, no, Alfa Romeo. And, you know, Ilmore didn't take too kindly to that, mm-hmm. and um, and so that's when leasing of engines became. That's when you no longer own your right, engines. Right, yeah. right, Leased them, yeah. and uh, so in any event, um, and and Miller Brewing Company was his sponsor at the time, and uh, they they demanded that they have they have an Ilmore engine in their agreement. Interesting. And he couldn't get it, yeah. and so the guy who was the head of marketing for Miller called me up, and he said, "If you can get an Ilmore." You're, yeah, you're the guy. Interesting. Yeah. We'll sponsor right. you. Yeah. So we, I called up, um, oh God, what's his name? Not Mario, but uh, Paul Morgan. Okay. Who ran the kind of the business? Mm-hmm. Right. Mario was the right. engine designer. Paul was the business right. guy. Okay. And um, basically, they knew this Alpha was going to be such an underperforming deal. Well, they, Miller, yeah, Miller yeah. Didn't, mm-hmm. they had already well, they'd already been through a year of it. Yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. So there was yeah. so yeah, because you yeah. you yeah, you we weren't running. We're right. not going to do that again. Exactly, because right. you were running with a different team. Right. Not with Miller, but that Miller program with somebody else was not doing well in that Alpha, right. and they just didn't want to do this. Right. So right. if they want to have good results, Miller demands they get the engine that they That's want. That's right. So engine and leases so, were showing up in 1992 as a problem. Uh, <laughs> probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Know, was it a problem? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, it sounds like it was yeah. until you showed up. Like well, you were able to help this case. Well, it was, you know, um, to be frank, I kind of, uh, you know, I like the idea of, um, you know, when I was in with True Sports, uh, Franz Weiss was our engine builder, VDS engines. You know, Franz is, you know, he was Jim Hall's engine builder for many, many years. Just a wonderful man, a real, you know, a real genius in so many ways, and a great guy. Yeah, a true racer. Um, 
And in 87, for example, when I won my uh, second championship, you know, everybody in those days, you'd buy a kit from Cosworth, which was basically oh, right. parts. And it is Com- not a lease. All the parts. No, no, you, you bought go. them. Yeah. yeah, figure it out. Yeah. Okay. Then you would, you know, you'd either have somebody build it for you or, you you know, like in those yeah. days, a lot of guys, Roger always had his own engine shop, for yeah. example. Craco had their own engine shop. Right. Uh, a lot of people were um, building their own stuff. Well, right. we, we didn't, uh, um, we didn't. Want to, we didn't have the ability to do that. Right. We didn't so want to do that. Have, have and, not and, steel, sure. and, um, and we'd had prior experience yeah. uh, in Can-Am with, right. with Franz. Right. So it just seemed, well, that's the guy. Well, in 87, we did a development deal with Franz and, and Newman Haas. Mario was with us on it, where we gave a bunch of money to Franz and said, hey, develop this DFX Cosworth. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you know, take it and make it better if you yeah, can. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it, they did. There's no question. Uh so, you know, those were good days. Oh, for sure. So basically, Miller, you hear that Miller's looking to get involved with somebody that's got the right package, so to speak. There are no, as far as I'm hearing it, there are no entries that are out there doing what they do. So you see this as an opportunity. Because you come from an entrepreneurial family, you see opportunity and you take it. Yeah, and it's because, again, I had no, in, no desire or inclination to have my own team. You just wanted to but set to your me, own retirement. Absolutely. To yeah. me, it was control of my, my career. Somebody asked me one time, so what's your greatest achievement in racing? And I said, um, determining when I was going to retire. <laughs> yeah, but that's legit. <laughs> like, that is completely yeah. legit. And they, yeah. they, they looked at me like, huh? What? But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, how many drivers can say I that? It. I totally get it. Yeah, but yeah. I saw some very famous IndyCar drivers really being embittered about their career. Yeah. Because because somebody else decided when they were done, not yeah. them. And I yeah. just thought, Jesus Christ, you know, you you work your ass off, you risk everything, you do this, you do that, and yeah. twenty years later, you're you're bitter. Right. You know, I just couldn't imagine that, so I didn't want that to happen. Interesting. Yeah, and it so far it hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Did you think it would be as good as it was right off the bat? Well, you know, I was. I mean, just for context, you win championship. In your first outing. Yeah, and we won four races that year, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, let's put it this way. Um, we took over a good team, Patrick. Patrick they had good Ryan. people. Jim uh, McGee, clearly one of the best team managers ever. Uh, Scott Remke, who, that's who I, that's yeah. when I met yeah, Scotty. Yeah. Um, uh, Steve Newey was my engineer. I'd known Steve, yeah, but I'd never really, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I never worked yeah. with him. Yeah. Um, but we were a tight little one-car team that, uh, and the 92 Lola, um, we just hit on a setup that, uh, I mean, I won three of the four one-mile races. Should have won Milwaukee. I was on pole. I got unlucky because it went yellow just after I went past the, the pit entrance, and Michael was about six seconds behind, behind me. He got in, and so now I'm a lap, almost a lap down because of that. So um, so we, by all rights, should have won that race. Um, one Detroit, so road course. Oh, Paul Tracy texted me about this, complaining. <laughs> we yeah. went, we went looking. No, I, I got, I got, I yeah. just, I had a great seat watching Paul and Michael beat on each other. Oh yeah. Well, I, I had been running second behind Michael. We were right together, and then um, um, Paul beat us on a pit stop, and uh, so now I'm third. But I'm right behind him. I'm faster than they are. I'm right behind him. And I'm just watching he and Michael just beat on each other. Right. And you know that's going to come to tears. Right, because you're like, that's Michael and that's Paul. Yeah. yeah. I know yeah. how yeah. this is going to yeah. end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and nobody's going to give up. Right. Nobody's right. giving right. up. Right. You know, they're yeah. going to, they're going to, um, you know, they're just going to keep beating on each other until something happens. Yeah. And in that case, they, 
kind of tripped over a little bit, a little bit of each other, and just gave me enough of a. Did you just censor yourself? Hmm? Did you just censor yourself? Did I what? When you said they tripped over each you other, censored. What you wanted to say? Yeah. They tripped over each other. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he didn't, because you know what I was about to say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know what you're about to say. Trip but, on the. Uh, no, no, they didn't do that. Okay. Yeah, not big enough. No. <laughs> Honest to God, yeah. you know, yeah. I love, I love Paul. I love Paul a lot more now than I did when he was driving. <laughs> I really like I really like Paul. Yeah, I really like yeah, Paul. But when yeah. he when he was driving, it was like you know, come on, Paul. You know? Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, but I, I really I really yeah. I really like him, and I think you know, I think it's kind of sad that he's off the TV thing because I actually knew I think he knew what the hell he was talking about. So in any event, so you know, I won a lot of races. I won the Marble Challenge that year. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it just back when there were uh, sponsors. Yeah, <laughs> back back when you had tobacco and yeah. beer sponsors. Uh, in the yeah. good old days. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But no, I th- I felt we would be competitive. You know, I I didn't think we were at it. And in fact, I kind of liked. Um, you know, it wasn't until well, ninety ninety one uh, was the first time I was on a two car team. That was Al Junior and myself, Gals Craco. Um, but I kind of liked I kind of liked being the single car because everything was focused on you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sounds awesome. And yeah. um, and um, you know, it was a tight knit little team uh, with good direction. We had good engines. Um, uh, that, by that time, Elmore was doing all the engines, but they were sound engines, good engines. Um, and, you know, the 92 Lola was a car that, I don't know, we just f- kind of figured it out. And it was pretty much good everywhere. I, I maybe had only a hand, less than a hand, a couple of bad races, I think. Most of the races were pretty strong. Yeah. So. Well, it, it showed. Yeah, for but, sure. So now you've got your, your retirement package set up, but then you then you went and found a new way to screw it up, it sounds like. <laughs> Uh, well, the thing I screwed up was, um, and this was definitely a negative about being a driver and an owner. Um, so at the end of 94, we have a bad year with Honda. The right. engine's blowing up all yeah, the time. Right, right. I mean, it's just. Careful what you wish for. And, yeah. 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 and yeah. you know, um, um, uh, you know, and again, I, my relationship with Mr. Osaka was so it was personal as well as professional. Right, right. And all, and I'm now getting towards the end of my career. So now as a team owner, I'm thinking like a driver. That I don't want to end my career like this, you know. And, of course, you know, they weren't really too uh, clear about what they were going to do to fix things. In terms, Because the 94, and this wasn't even where I was going. I was going with the 93 season, but the... Uh, well, 90, well, that was our, that was with the chassis. That's what yeah. I'm saying. So you, yeah, yeah. You, you, you win your thing, and then... Well, it's funny how that affected... So in 90, That's kind of where I was going in 90, with all this, right? In 93, yeah. we, uh, at the end of 92, we take on the, what was a true sports car. Mm-hmm. Uh, Don yeah. Halliday had designed the car, and it had been reasonably successful. Uh, hadn't won, but Scott Pruitt had driven it well. Then Scott got hurt uh, testing. And uh, I think they had Raul in there for a while. And, and um, I don't know. Anyway, um, and my <laughs> probably my relationship with Jim Truman clouded my judgment a little bit uh, because Barbara Truman, she wanted out. She was mm-hmm. done. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I was, of course, I was living in Columbus, and I agreed – well, well, I was just we were just renting a building in Indy, and I said, well, we'll just move everything over here. And of course, none of the people that were in Indy came over with us, uh, right. except for yeah. Scott Remke. But right, uh, yeah, but yeah, you're not yeah. going to move um, everything yeah. up, sure. 
uh, and Jim Prescott, who was my chief mechanic for years. Uh, but we took over the True Sport building, which was a fantastic building at the time. You know, it had they were building race cars there. They were building engines there with the, you know the Judd. We oh, did yeah. not. We did not do any of the engine stuff. But um, you know, if I if I had really been um, clinical about it, I would have said, you know, sorry, Barbara, but you know, welcome to racing and good luck. But I I kind of took on the project uh, for because of her because of my loyalty to Jim. Right, right. history. Even though he had nothing yeah. to do with that yeah. project. Right. So, right? so the motivation wasn't this, like, we had a good year, let's, I know what to yeah. do now. Right. Well, and, right. I, and I think, you know, there's that, there's a term hubris. Yeah, oh yeah. I think I you, you, start, you, start to, <laughs> you start to think, you know, well, we can, we can do anything. Right. I tested the car at Mid-Ohio, and it was pretty good. The yeah. original Truman chassis yeah. Yeah. before you guys yeah, had yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty good. And then, of course, now we're going to build Mark II. Mm-hmm. Well, right. we had, we nowhere near had the uh, organization to do that compared to like what Alola had at the time. Right. Yeah, right. right. And yeah. so you know, and of course we ended up. I think the first race we did was uh, maybe it was Australia in that car, and I think I was second. Maybe I don't know. I was sixth at Mid- I was sixth at Long Beach in the car. No, I was second at Long Beach. I think sixth at Australia. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, we had a, we had a, we had, a, we had a couple of good finishes. Yeah. Well, we get to India and the thing's hopeless. 1993, you failed to qualify for the Indy 500 in this chassis that you built, having right. just been the IndyCar champion the right, year before. Right, one year before. And very specifically, Miller is with you right. because they didn't want to be on and a team that couldn't perform, which is why they left who they were with. And the three days after the race in 93, yeah. the head of marketing of Miller came to my house and gave me a three-year extension. Mm. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, you need to perform. And we, yeah, 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 yeah. and we had two years already, so it was basically a five-year yeah. contract. Wow. Which is, yeah, that <laughs> happens all the time now. Yeah, yeah, you right. hear about that regularly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, now we go into 94, and, you know, the amazing thing was, is in 93, we're doing testing at, at Indy with Mike. And Mike Groff and the and Honda. Mike Groff, yeah, and the Honda, we're, yeah, trying yeah. To, we're trying to go slow because this thing is so fast. It's oh, like you're trying the, to like in effectively. The heat, in the heat of summer, Okay. you know, we're trying not to show the hand because this right. thing is obviously, yeah. this engine, well, Mugen was doing the engine right, at that time. Right. And then the late, late, by the time we got it, it had become a little bit of a political football and now Honda was doing it, not oh, Mugen. Because so right. at the time there right. wasn't HPD so, like there is now. So, yeah. 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 so now so, it's a yeah. whole different engine. And right. It's not anywhere as good. You know, okay. and so we go, you know, the first couple of races and it's like, you know, wow, uh, yeah. you know, what happened here? Right. You know? And, um, of course, you know, they're not going to say anything. So, um, 94, the highlight of our year was we ended up second in Toronto. Um, they, everybody was ha- happier than hell. Sure. But, you know, I mean, it had been a tough year. Yeah. 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 Virtually I mean, every race there were engine issues or something. Right. Yeah. And, and, and the sad thing is the people at Honda were working their asses off. I mean, this wasn't something that they were happy with. It yeah, was right, just, right. you know, they were, you know, they were trying to, you know, they were doing everything they could possibly do. And they, those guys worked unbelievable hours. I mean, you know, we, we had them in temporary housing in Columbus, a bunch of them, the mm-hmm. engineers and what have you. Mm-hmm. And, and Christ, those guys were working 18, 19 hour days, you know, trying to catch up or yeah. figure out what it was. Right. Yeah. But, but very um, specifically at Indy in 94, 94 you, have to, you have to ditch that well, Honda. Well, 94 <coughs> now, okay, as I said, before you we went to the race, in those days, um, you were getting, you know, 38, 40 
cars trying to qualify. Right. Dick yeah. Simon would show up with five, <laughs> with five cars powered yeah. by Ford. Yeah. Well, yeah. the yeah. Ford motor yeah. was the dominant engine. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, yeah. it, it had power, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's like, and Scott Remke says to me, I don't think we're going to qualify. This is before we even got there. I go, Scott, what the hell are you talking about? And he starts giving me, okay, here's, look who's here. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. I'm yeah. Gonna, holy And I go, no, no, we're, you're not, we're not going to miss this race again. Right. Well, we ended up qualifying. We were the two slowest cars. Right. So you know about that. It's and be, yeah. this is after the first weekend. And, um, and um, they, um, you know, we called up Roger. This is when we rented the cars. We called up Roger. You know, interestingly, ironically, one year later, he's calling us up for our cars. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right, <laughs> right. Yeah. And they didn't make the race, so yeah. I didn't feel like yeah. such an idiot. After <laughs> right, 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 that. right, right. Sorry. But, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so we we had to withdraw. And unfortunately, the IndyCar rules were you had to withdraw the car before you could qualify the other car. It's not <laughs> like you, not like you no, would be allowed to right bump now, yourself right. out. Yeah, you just right. had to, you know. Yeah. And, um, um Honda wasn't too happy. Okay, how, so specifically, and that's where I was going, is how was that conversation? That, that was a tough conversation. Yeah, because they'd spent a uh, year and a half trying to get this thing going. Right, well, right. And, and, you know, they um, you know, they saw it as, um, they saw it in their terms as a capitulation or as a, a surrender on our part. We saw it as we can't miss this race two years in a row. Because of Miller. Yeah, yeah because yeah. of Miller. They yeah. were our sponsor. Yeah, 100%. Right? And uh, and so you know that that, that you know, how the one disaster kind of created the second disaster. Yeah. So had you not had that failure to qualify with your own chassis in '93, you might have been able to stick with Honda and miss yeah. the race in '94. Well, yeah, maybe, but probably wouldn't have been. We probably wouldn't have been so. We weren't quick, but we probably wouldn't have been. Um, when I say so quick, so, it was quick so to quick jump to, the gun to, to, to jump, do the withdrawal. Yeah. yeah. I got yeah, you. Uh, and it was a, it was a tough conversation, especially for me with Mr. Osaka, because I felt like I was there was a relationship. I was letting him down. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, I felt very badly about that, but you know, what am I going to do? Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, and of course, at the end of that summer, um, we announced our, um, our our withdrawal from Honda, went to Ilmore. Um, and of course, in 19, that's the end of '94. Of course, the beginning of '95, the Honda motor was like a screamer. Right. Yeah, as it does. And, yeah. And, all, and all the guys that were trying to keep Honda out right. now get the engine, and yeah. they're winning. Like yeah. Penske, right? Andretti, yeah. right? And they're the very green. You know, all these guys that were doing everything they could to keep Honda out for us. Now they're <laughs> now getting, they're yeah, all right getting the yeah. goods. And yeah. the first guy to win is of course Steve Horn, who <laughs> was your team manager. Well, and he should have won Indy in '95. Yeah, and Scott Goodyear. Yeah. And yeah. Scott yeah. passed the, p- the pace car, right. and yeah, uh, and they ended up winning. In a race with um, Ribeiro at uh, New Hampshire, but the Honda engine went from you know here to there. I mean, right. it was a yeah. screamer. Yeah. It had power. Yeah. Having said that, <laughs> of course, now I'm I'm sure that any relationship outside of being a dealer, and they'd probably like to get rid of me in that respect too at the time. Um, uh, that any relationship with Honda is that's never going to happen again. And then in 2003, 2002, out of the blue, I mean, probably, I can't remember what the date of the Grand Prix, U.S. Grand Prix in Indy was, but maybe August or July or I don't know, sometime. Probably right after Montreal or somewhere around there. Um, phone rings. Mr. Osaka, will you come back to Honda? 
Okay, the call that should have never come, you thought. I was like, you know, hello? I mean, <laughs> who's pulling a prank on me? Oh, sure, sure. Because there were people in Honda that, you know, one guy said to me, you know, you'll never be welcome in Honda again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and uh, yeah, Mr. Osaka was, he was above all that. You know, he was, mm-hmm. you know, who's the team that's mm-hmm. going to, mm-hmm. and, um I said, Mr. Osaka, I, I would be honored to come back to Honda anytime. He said, come to Indy, let's meet. And that's when he laid out. So we came back with Honda in 2003. Right. With Kenny Brack. As, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. As part of this, then, now, this IRL then, program. Yeah, and then, of course, the, the highlight for me personally was winning Honda's first Indy 500 in 2004 yeah, with yeah, Buddy. It's a big deal. And that, to me, was kind of, I have to say, uh, kind of, um, uh, what's the term I want to use? Um, you know, uh, I don't know. Uh, but it just, uh, you know, I missed all, and I, lo- I missed the last three or four years of my career where I probably could have won a lot of races with that engine. Yeah. But yeah. that would have been my decision. Yeah. So, you know, you, know, you, you, know, you live, yeah. you know, you, you live and die on what you decide. <laughs> but, um, but winning, I never, you know, it was just like, this is like, it's so poetic. Yeah. That 10 years later, we get back together and win the Indy 500. And that was the sense of satisfaction. And I, and I know that pissed off a lot of people in Honda. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that, I was yeah. the last guy they wanted yeah, to see absolutely. win that race. Yeah, I get it. Not yeah. Honda Japan, but, well, maybe there <laughs> yeah. too. But. And, I mean, you were the team all month. Oh, yeah. We yeah. did everything. We yeah. won pole, won the pit stop contest, uh-huh. everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That was that was the magic month for us. You know, there aren't many teams that have a month like that. Right. You know, right. everything. You know, right. you, you did it all. Yeah. But yeah, the sense of satisfaction um, was uh, uh, you know just tremendous yeah. because you know I'd had a lot of sleepless nights. I'd had a lot of you know it aged me. Yeah. In those days, because of you know just that confluence of events, starting with not qualifying in '93, sure, which wasn't yeah. Honda, but yet it had that effect on sponsors and everything else right uh and obligations and who where's your loyalty and where is this and where is that and what really (laughs) does do our sponsors care if you're in a honda with a honda or a cosworth no right they just care if you win yeah 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 not being in the big show is kind of a big deal yeah and um you know so like i said thank god roger didn't qualify next year (laughs) (laughs) All right, way too much racing. Yeah, so this, is, this racing is just stuff. people talking here. So yeah. uh, oh, we'll, oh, we'll, well, we'll ask a couple small racing questions, and then, then we've got to sure. get into some fun stuff. Sure. Okay. Go ahead, Brian. Well, I was going to say the pass along question. Oh, I don't know um, if we're at that point yet. We're not there yet. <laughs> so uh, we'll do some fun <laughs> it's, stuff. It's a rough we, one. Do we need um, more wine or what? Probably. You, yeah, you <laughs> might. Um, so one, one quick thing, and, and we don't want to make this too much about racing, but um, you did get to choose your own retirement. What was the impetus for that? Very simply, um, you know, you get older. And you start to get more, um, you know, you have more interests or you have more commitments outside of racing. When you're young, you're like, you know, the, bl- the blinders yeah, right, are like yeah, this. Right, right. And the older you get, you yeah. know, the blinders start doing this. Yeah. Um, you know, of course, I started our, we started our first Honda store in January of 89. We had a Lexus Toyota store. We started in 90, 1990. I had a Lexus store in uh, no, Lexus in 90, Toyota, Toyota Lexus in 91. Um, 92, let's see, I think that's pretty much where we were until around 95 or 6. But, um, uh, you know, 
your, your focus isn't the same. And, you know, when I was uh, at the height of my career, I couldn't wait to go testing. I, you know, um, you know, what do you want to do? Let's go. I'm there. Blah, blah, blah. And the older you get, well, I've got to go to this thing or I got to go yeah, to that thing. Yeah. Or, you know, um, you know, I used to love to go testing. When I turned 43, 44, all of a sudden, you know, it feels like work. Old, yeah. 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 <laughs> and, I and, I, and I just came to the conclusion. And I probably, I should have kept racing in some respects. Um, at least I could go on to sports cars back, you know, in, in 90, uh, 98, my last year, I was on the podium, you know, once or twice. I was comp pretty competitive still. At the time when I'm racing against guys who could have been my kids. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you yeah. know, Paul, yeah. Frank Keedy, Yeah. All those guys were in their early 20s, and I'm yeah. 45 years old. Right, right. Um, That's so cool. <laughs> and I don't care what you say, but the older you get, your ability to compete, is, it, it, it degrades. You know, whether it's physical, fitness, or and I was in pretty good shape for a 45-year-old, but I'm racing against guys who are 20. You know, have no body fat, or have, and of course, in my day, they didn't have the weight sure, uh, equalization. Yeah, so it yeah, made right, a difference yeah, if you were scrawny. Yeah, 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 I'm racing against freaking, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, who drove for you guys at Newman Haas? Um, well, like the Mata. The Mata. Yeah. Yeah. The guy yeah, weighed yeah, 120. Yeah, 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 exactly. I, I yeah. got, I got yeah. 80 pounds on yeah. him. Yeah. That's like, that's like half a second a lap. Yeah, yeah. Cut, yeah. Right? seriously. Um, <laughs> and so, um, but the biggest thing was, I just, I just felt that I was not ready to make the same level of commitment. And I wasn't going to, I didn't want to be one of these guys. And I'd seen drivers <clears throat> um, stay too long. Yeah, yeah, yeah missed and, the time to leave. Yeah, exactly. And I did not want to do that. I wanted to go out while I was still competitive. And in 98, I was competitive. You want to be respected. You don't want to be the guy that's like, dude, he needs to go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, it, it, had I not had the team, I would have gone into sports car racing. Yeah. But I said, I can't be off doing some sports car race when my team's yeah, somewhere exactly. else. Yeah, it's time. You just got to, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. now's the time. So that, 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 that was the reasoning. And now that's like day-to-day -day for you. There's a sports car team doing something. There's <laughs> well, yeah. a car team yeah. doing something. Like, <laughs> but like, I'm, yeah. I'm not driving. But at right, the time, right, right. Right. Yeah. It's just the optics are different. <laughs> yeah. And this will conclude part one. But hey, it's a two-parter because it's Bobby Rahal. Only the next episode has way less racing stories. So enjoy Rex Banner and the song Casino. I'm finished.